Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast, and in this episode, we will be delving into the world of MI6, and more specifically, the head of that organization, M. With me today, I have secret agents, John Kell and Math Pickup. Now, John, you may have heard from before. He is our resident quiz master, and we should be hearing more from him on that front later on. But we have Math Pickup making his debut performance on the Really 007 podcast. So uh, without further ado, let's just hear a little bit more about Math and how he came to uh, to love the world of James Bond. Well, Tom, um, much as yourself and uh, potentially some future contributors to the uh, podcast, uh, I grew up in the, the same pickup family as you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, James Bond's been <laughs> part of my life and our lives uh, for, as, for as long as uh, I can remember. Um, you know, we had nearly all the films recorded on video and we used to watch them pretty much continuously and quote them continuously. Um, and that eventually expanded into us making our own James Bond films, uh, which was something I'm still very proud of. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful to think back on. We had a great laugh doing it, but but also, I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm proud of the creativity that was involved with that. Um, so yeah, so that's my, that's my relationship with, uh, with Bond growing up. Yeah. If you, if you don't know, Matthew is my brother and my youngest brother, Harry will be joining us on future podcast episodes, but that is right. Uh, like, like math, we used to watch the James Bonds off, uh, recorded videos. And I think we've had pretty much all of them on video. I think Moonraker was the last one I seem to remember we had, which was, uh, Funny because that that sort of now seems like one most embedded in your earliest memories, but I remember that was the one which we had to wait a bit for. 
But uh, yeah, License to Kill was another one, of course, because that was later coming out. We had to wait quite a long time for that. And then it was so exciting for the Pierce Brosnan era, looking forward to each subsequent one being released on video, uh, VHS, going down to Woolworths and buying it. That was brilliant. Excellent memories. We were all there at Woolworths <laughs> at Christmas <Yeah>. time. <laughs> the buy one, get one free. You picked up Goldfinger and you got Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never Dies as well. Oh, Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the other, so, the other so two, good. Two for one deal at Woolworths, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Two for yeah. one deal. Bog off. And as we, were as we were mentioning last time, it was on that gorgeous video selection where the sleeves all made the pictures of the Bond, oh, of the Bond yeah. characters. Oh. oh, it was so good. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not yet, to my shame, I've not joined it on the Blu-ray collection, but I think I will be doing very shortly. I have seen them on, some of them on Blu-ray and the picture quality is, is just well worth it. Astonishing. Well, I mean, I think I think Rob referred Rob Parker referred to this last time, but um, around Black Friday last year, they had the whole Blu-ray collection going for thirty pound, and um, it has all the special features on it, all the all the stuff, all the little segments. So well worth it. As I said, I watched Thunderball for the first time last night in HD, and I had never known that Sean Connery has an arm tattoo until <laughs> I saw Thunderball last night. It's brilliant. Oh, all I the makeup in the world all. has not covered his arm tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day when very few people had tattoos. Uh, in fact, Daniel oh, Craig's yeah. one of the few doesn't have one in this this era, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't well, a criticism yeah. of Daniel Craig, if anyone's listening. Just four minutes until we've mentioned We love you all. Really, Anyway, yeah, Bath, just... Just briefly, do you do you have a, a favourite Bond uh, actor, favourite Bond uh, actor who played James Bond throughout the film series? Um, I find I, I do find that a very very difficult question to answer. Um, I mean, usually I would I would go for either Sean or Roger, but you see, Timothy Dalton's two are just so good, and you know, if someone were to ask me, you know. And it'd be a strange scenario, but if you were to put a gun to my head and say, which Bond <laughs> films do you want to watch now? If you can pick two, then Living Daylights and Licence to Kill would be right up there. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, th I think I think perhaps Sean Connery is the most all-round, you know, fits the bill. Um, but, I don't know. I'll, I'll give a vote for Tim, actually. Um, yes! You, know, so, you won't hear uh, much complaint there. If, <laughs> I mean, if yeah. you if you said if you put a gun to my head, I just imagine Tim putting a gun straight to Pushkin's face. Yeah, when he's on his knees, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just very much like that <laughs> in that gorgeous beige um, suit that he's wearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. <sighs> As you sort of rewatch them all, you, you, I don't know. You're not. You don't sort of redecide, but 
if you look into detail on each episode, each uh, film, you just appreciate them even more, I think, and the different things they bring. And sometimes you, you, you're like, oh, maybe I, I prefer Roger the most, and then sometimes it's Connery, and it's, it's an evolution of love for the uh, the James Bond actors. <laughs> we haven't mentioned two of them, but uh, we will at some point, uh, because today's episode is all about M, and uh, first of all, we're just going to have a little bit into the background as to how Ian Fleming came up with the character who does appear in uh, all of his novels. We... Uh, we believe that he based much of the M character on a gentleman known as Rear Admiral John Godfrey, who was Fleming's superior in the Naval Intelligence Division during the Second World War. So after Fleming's death, Godfrey was actually uh, spoke about this and complained uh, that he said, Ian Fleming turned me into that unsavoury character M. So maybe that uh, he wasn't best pleased with the characterization uh, in the books at least. Uh, another inspiration for M was a gentleman called Maxwell Knight, who was the head of MI5, not MI6, and he signed his MOs as M. Uh, and, of course, he was uh, his name began with M, which is an- another reason why <laughs> you could say that they were he was named M. Uh, Fleming knew this, this chap well, and uh, the tradition of the head of MI6 signing the name with a single letter came from Mansfield Smith Cumming, who would sign his initial C uh, in the Navy Star with green ink. So that's something that uh, might have led to it. Fleming's biographer, John Pearson, uh, also hypothesised that Fleming's characterisation of M reflects memories of his mother. It's a bit of a, a Freudian uh, look at uh, the world of Ian Fleming. <laughs> because apparently he, uh, his mother was one of the few people he was frightened of. And he couldn't bring himself to call her mum, mummy, mother. He called her M. So there's so many amazing different reasons why why this could be the character's name, uh, and that, I suppose I am not buying that. that one. Yeah, well, but, but that but then that could link it neatly with the you know the Judy Dench embodiment, couldn't it? With uh, Mummy and all all that sort of storyline going on in well, Skyfall. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a, I've got a page worth of notes on that alone. Gosh, gosh, yeah. I mean, it, Bernard Lee could could also be described as not a mother, but certainly someone who is uh, an inferior, uh, inferior to Bond in terms of he was in charge, wasn't he? He was a much sterner approach. And uh, if he thought his mum was strict and she was the one in charge of the family, that, that comes off as well. As far yeah, as... Point, uh, yeah, well, as far as the, the identity of, of who was actually the character M... The novels don't uh, don't go into too much details, but we do finally learn his name uh, was Miles Messervy in the book The Man with the Golden Gun. But in the films, I don't think we ever actually hear them referred to by name. There's the odd bit of uh, letterheads maybe and things like that, but I don't think Bond ever says, good evening, Miles. Oh, unless hey. I'm wrong. Unless I'm wrong. I think Matthew's got his hand up. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, sorry, I watched The Spy Love Me. I, I watched The Spy Love Me the other day, and I think General Go- Gogol, I think it is, refers to him as Miles. Um, oh, that's lovely. I, I, think that's I did not know that. I've never picked up on it, but, but um, yeah. It was the uh, only one question I had already sorted for the quiz. Oh, right. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> John. Spoiler alert. Question no, no, one. you're right, Matt. What you're right. film? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, yeah. I, Everyone's I don't a think winner. Judy Dench is referred to, 
by her character's uh, name. Uh, she, uh, so there is there is, is some because that's to number it in... two on my quiz quest. Oh, it is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had somewhere written down. Was it Barbara or something like that? Uh, no, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I'm guessing you're not going to get it, but it, apparently. I... Oh, if, you, if you know it, Matt, I'm going to leave it and we'll put it in the quiz. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. I, well, yeah, I've got a strange name that... in my head. That maybe... oh, go, on, <laughs> go on, go for it, go for it. Okay, right, this may, I mean, this may be absolute nonsense, but <laughs> Jean Marsh? <laughs> Didn't Jean Marsh play no. the sorcerer in no. Willow? <laughs> Jean Marsh sounds like EastEnders, doesn't it? Yeah, I know, uh, I know. Uh, but... No, yeah. apparently she's apparently she's called Olivia Mansfield. Oh, wow! Okay. And I, I think, if I'm right, I think it's when is it when Bond gets her stuff or collects her stuff or something at the end? Or I wonder if there's like a note on it that says Olivia Mansfield on it. There is a reference in Skyfall that makes it clear that that's her name. Right. Another reference to M again, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> beginning with the, the same letter. That's, that's what they have to have as a rule, it seems. Well, if you have any other quiz questions, let, let's, let's hear them, John. Yeah. So, um, Last time we did a, a best of five, and we um, how we did it was it was shouting out, but you have to shout out by um, shouting out something relevant to the film. So last time we had to do our best Camel Khan impressions, and we had to go Octopussy. And from that, then whoever <laughs> said that first got the chance to answer the question. So we're going to do a similar thing this time, but your buzzer that you need to shout out is. We're not a country club, 007. So when you shout that out, <laughs> you need to shout out, 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 and whoever wins that then obviously gets the chance to do this. Now, the odds are on that Math's going to win this first one after it. I'm just going to riff on what he just said, but let's have a go. So, question one. Um, as we said, Gogol mentions Bernard Lee as Miles in The Spy You Love Me. But what does Bernard Lee call Gogol? We're not a country club, 007. I was very close to rewinding it when I was watching it um, the other day. I'm sure it's something like... It's, it's like Alexei or something. Or Alexei. Oh. Ooh. You know what, Muff? I'm going to give you that. It's Alexis. Oh, oh right, yeah. I'm, no, I was going to say Alexis, but then I was, thinking, I was just thinking Alexis Sanchez, and I thought, you know, like, such a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so question two. Now, there could be actually a couple that he says this, but there's one I've got in mind. In which Bond film does M say, Oh, shut up, Q. We're not a country club, 007. Go on, Tom. I, again, I saw this quite recently. I think it's in The Man with the Golden Gun when they're in the the sort of temporary MI6 headquarters in Kowloon Bay on the ship, which is beautifully tilted. He's in quite a dreadful mood, I think, him, in that entire scene, and he's <laughs> just having to go at everybody and doesn't trust them, doesn't rate the experts, and yes, we've heard all this before. 
Um, that is a very detailed correct answer, Tom, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I have got notes on Bernard Leeds' bad mood in the man with the golden gun. It's like he uh, he's really woke up on the wrong side of bed in that film, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, shut up, kid. <laughs> uh, I almost wish Scaramanga had put a bullet on you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, question yeah, three. Yeah. <laughs> Where does M confront Bond in License to Kill? We're not a country club. We're not no a country club. <laughs> oh, it, it was Tom. It was Tom. Oh, Ooh, very tight. Uh, it's in Hemingway House, and I think it's certainly in Florida. I don't know whether it's Key West or not, but it's Florida. Um, Hemingway House is all I wanted. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's uh, two one to Tom. Nice and easy one here. Uh, so first one to shout out. Um, which gun does M discard from Bond in Doctor No, replacing it with a Walter PPK? We're not a country club, 007. Uh, is it Go on, the, Mark. Beretta, the Beretta? It is the Beretta. It is the Beretta, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so we're at two all. <laughs> and I haven't got a question, so I'm going to oh. make one up. Okay. This is brilliant, John. Apart from The Spy Who Loved Me, can you name me a film, not a Bond film, that both Bernard Lee and Robert Brown appear in? That's a brilliant question. It... Oh, dear. I think, I think I'll have to give up with this one, Sean. I'm well, to know I'll the answer. Clue. If you're not sure, if you're not sure, I'll give you a clue. It features the same wheel that is used in the Living Daylights. We're not a country club, 007. Go on, Muff. Is it the third man? It is the third man, Oh, yes. brilliant. Muff steals it. <laughs> I think yeah, I, I should know that. Because I was looking at my notes on this episode and, yeah, I, I forgot that I'd written that they were both in the third man. <laughs> Um, unbelievably, Jeffrey Keane, who plays uh, Frederick Gray, is also in the third man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> how good's that? Even though it was I hope they all actually got to go and visit Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> good, right? Very good. Good, good. Thank you, John. Anytime. So, Bernard Lee, he also appeared in, I th- I've, I mean, I'd never really heard of it. It's, it's like not like Casino Real. It's not quite a spoof, but it was like a, a rip-off of the James Bond films, an Italian-made film called OK Connery. <laughs> I, don't, I love that name. Uh, starring Neil Connery. <laughs> starring Neil Connery, who was obviously in the shadow of his brother. I don't know whether he wanted to be an actor or not, but he, he, lots of the, a lot of the cast are actually in, the, in that film. Uh, I think Miss Moneypenny, Lois Maxwell's in it, amongst others. Uh, and in this film, Bernard Lee was called Commander Cunningham, so, I mean, basically basically the same guy, uh, albeit it's in a different film. 
at this point, uh, it's quite sad because I was reading up upon Bernard Lee. He's, he's, he's had a really difficult personal life, and that's before, of course, he, he had his battle with cancer. And it, it was marred with tragedy. So his first wife, Gladys, died in a fire at their home in Kent uh, in 1972, which also left Bernard Lee hospitalised. So this is according to his friend, Jack Warner. He says, Bernard and Glanis were trapped in the bedroom when the fire started on the ground floor. Bernard escaped through a window and ran to get a ladder in an attempt to rescue Gladys, but was unsuccessful. It was an awful end to a long and happy marriage. It's absolutely dreadful, that, and I, I didn't know that uh, until a few years ago, I think. And not only that, no, the, same year, the same year, the same year he was mugged, same year he was mugged and robbed by two youths. A month so had, after, yeah. So he had he had all that, which apparently led him to turn to drink, which you know you can forgive him for. <laughs> he couldn't get any jobs as a result of that for a couple of years because he was in a fit of drunkenness and depression, and he ran into debt. Now here's here's when it gets a little nicer. There's a story that by chance Bernard Lee. John's nodding, he knows this. Uh, he met Richard Burton, the actor, in a pub. And they obviously talked through these problems and the awful things that have been happening to Bernard Lee. And Richard Burton get, just gave him a cheque for $6,000, uh, as it were, to clear his debt. And he gave him a note saying that everyone has a spot of trouble once in a while. And it was just like an uplifting moment for him. So that gift helped Lee in not only wow. getting his uh, money troubles back, but overcoming his depression. And I think he's credited him for that since. So quite a, a nice end to a harrowing story, but wow. yeah, there you go. So without further ado, yeah. let's uh, just go through uh, Bernard Lee's performance as M. He, as we said, the first time he appears, of course, is in so, Sorry. Sorry, Tom, just this is a quick side mark on terms of the <laughs> films that he's appeared in. Um, he, he also appeared in a film called From Hong Kong with Love, <laughs> which was which he and he played he played the role as M as the British Secret Service, and they got Lois Maxwell to play his assistant, but also in this film. Is Clifton James who plays Sergeant <laughs> W. It's one big boys club, isn't it? This? Yeah. And apparently, job for the boys. The, uh, listen, listen to this as the plot: the Queen of England has been kidnapped, as their best man has been dead for three years, according to Bernard Lee, their very own M. The British SIS asked the French Secret Service for help, which comes with four bumbling secret agents and a cleaning lady who is the perfect match for the queen. The chase will lead them from Spain to Hong Kong with many broken cars, boats and planes along the way. Along the way, various figures from Eon regular 007 film series make an apparition, such as Lois Maxwell or Clifford James. It's got 3.8 <laughs> out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to that one then when I do see it. Even me. Yeah, you feel a bit sorry for them, don't you? you almost like the, the so typecast that they have to live off these roles. In fact, I think Lois Maxwell said she got paid more for OK Connery than all the fees as Money Penny put together, something like that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Very sad indeed. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. In future, Commander Bond, if you must tour the world of Susie one by night, kindly inform our man here, Lieutenant Hip. Sorry, Commander. I had to get you away from the Hong Kong police, but didn't know how much you knew. Nothing. But I think I should report, sir, that Scaramanga does not have a contract on me. He couldn't have missed me tonight. Instead, he hit some chap coming out of a club. I got quite a shock when I saw who it was. I should think you did. Our missing solar energy expert, Gibson. Yes, Gibson. He was prepared to come back under certain conditions. That's why I'm out here with Professor Frazier. Lieutenant Hip was making a preliminary contact. I almost wish that Scaramanga had a contract on you. So, yeah, Muff, Bernard Lee, what, what do you make of his, uh, well, his introduction, I suppose, uh, as M and his relationship with Bond? <clears throat> um, yeah, well, he's immediately someone who you have, you instinctively feel some, you know, <clears throat> respect towards and you can feel his presence and his authority. He, um, <clears throat> yeah, um, throughout his tenure as, as M, he isn't someone who we get to know particularly in, in any kind of personal way. We don't know any of his background. Um, <clears throat> apart from, you know, what you what you were saying about in Dr. No, he talks about the impact that he's had. Um, but yeah, I think for many people, he will be the archetypal M, um, the first person that they would think of when, when the character of M is mentioned. Um, Although perhaps for a younger generation that might that might be Judy Dench now, but I think for for the majority of people it would be Bernard Lee, and he really he fits the bill as that authoritative figure who um, commands immediate respect, and um, yeah, he, he and he and Bond have a, a, a sort of an interesting relationship. It's very much we know who's in charge. Um, and I think it's it's one of those management relationships where where he he um, where M you know he has authority over Bond and Bond kind of respects that and if he's out of line then M is quick to um, put him in place. But then if there were any criticism of Bond towards M, um, if you know what I mean, from an outside figure or something like that, then M would be very quick to stand up for. Bond, his man, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. and and I like that, and I, I think that I think it's quite a good quality. I think it's a good quality in a manager. Sorry to speak from an HR, <laughs> but, um, but it's, uh, it's HR manager. By yeah, not something you need to know. But anyway, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have uh, mentioned. That. But anyway, that that's those were some thoughts that I was having when uh, when I thought about Bernard Lee. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, Matt. I think. Uh, Brilliant. Right from the off, that's the relationship that's cemented. There's the odd argument they do get into, one that sprung to mind um, early on, well, not that, uh, in Goldfinger, is that he is particularly upset, Bond, about the death of Jill Masterson, and I forgot this. And so mm. that's the first sign of a personal vendetta that, that could have been before, way before, of course, um, Felix Leiter in Licence to Kill. And M does actually warn him that, no, this is not a personal van- vendetta. And he even threatens to replace him with 008. So there is a bit of a uh, tension in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I my thing with Bernard Lee is I think that um, he suffers a bit from being an expository character. Um, you get onto the Judy Dench line, and there's very much like we'll we'll go into a big character study about her, and we'll make her the focus of quite a few of the films. Bernard Lee is very much there to give the exposition of the of the story. Um, that being said, I think it's testament to his acting skills and his ability that he is still seen as an iconic M and and he gives personality to what little he's been given um he starts very very crusty doesn't he very crusty a, a crusty admiral as uh, as Ian Fleming <laughs> described him you look at it in terms of Dr. No very much that but you get these like I find with M the I, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm a massive Bernard Lee fan, um, and 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 you get these little inklings here and there that are just like beneath the surface of this really grumpy man. There's actually someone who you could have a right good time with, mm. and one of the things I see that is <laughs> in, in, it's in from Russia with love that gives it the best. Where uh, what's Tatiana? She's going on about oh James, these Western girls and all this, <laughs> and he just goes and and he and he just mentions this story, and he just says right there. Well, once when me and M were in Tokyo, and all of a sudden the um, then he stopped. M quickly stops the uh, the voice recording at that moment because Money Penny and all the uh, yes. the defense secretary and all again. that are there. And I reckon M is an absolute he's an absolute playboy on the side. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. You know, he takes his two weeks annual leave to go straight to Tokyo. There is no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> M is the man. Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> I need to rewatch this scene. I think it's brilliant. He gets so embarrassed, and then Money Penny goes straight into um, a reception area, and she just puts it back on. She wants to know what dirty dealing yeah, the old man has been up to, as she calls him. Yeah, in the old man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to, just to pick up on something that Math said, I, what I do love is is that whilst he will happily give 007 a telling off. He will back him, and uh, I think that's. I was as I was watching Thunderball last night. Yeah, yeah. The um, that bit where um, Sean Connery has to go to Nashville, and uh, is opposed to going to Canada, and uh, Nashville, <laughs> yeah, as opposed. And I think he's an RAF admiral or someone who's there with them, and he's saying because. Connie wants to go there because he saw Major Deval dead at Shrublands the night before, and this RAF pilot says, "No, no, no, he's he's flown the plane, etc." And right at that point, Bernard Lee, he just says, "007 says he's dead. He's dead. That's what he saw." And he knows full well from the conversation that 007 has with Money Penny later on that James has got an interest in Domino, which he's a man. He's going to so, but fair play to him and. He lets him go down that route, and it just shows a little inkling right there that I trust you. You're one of my agents, and I trust you, and I can respect that. Um, I'm not a HR, he even person, goes but as I far. can respect that from a man no, no. as well. <laughs> 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 Didn't think we'd be sort of going down that route, but uh, nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, in that scene, he actually he, he almost gets a bit, it's quite a sort of unusual line he comes out. He says, do you think she's worth going after? It's a little bit, 
I think I think uh, Connery sort of says, "Well, I wouldn't have quite put it like that." Yeah, myself, well, I wouldn't have put it like that. So I'm gone. <laughs> Very much. He, he, um, there's also nice little bits like. I think it happens in both Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever, where Bond makes comments about years of whiskey or sherry when he's talking oh, yeah, with yeah. Um, M and there him, and they go and, and he goes, "Oh, this is a 1932 or whatever it is," and 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 you can just see the like it's like that eye rolling thing that M does. He's like, "Oh, just shut up," you know what I mean? And I love oh, all shut that. Up, I, lo- I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic scene in Diamonds Are Forever. That uh, what's what's yeah. What's what's your thoughts on it on Bernard Lee, Tom? Yeah, I think it comes back to if he's the sort of M you grew up with, you'll always assume that he's the main M. Um, he's the person who you think of in your head. And whilst since since Connery, the different interpretations of Bond have certainly allowed people to say no. Actually, I think these other actors improved on Connery. It, you could argue the same with Bernard Lee, but it, be, being the original will always give you the advantage and all the other incarnations will have to sort of suffer slightly in comparison to that. Judy Dench had a bit of an advantage because uh, she could bring mm. her, well, not just being a woman, but like you say, there's more characterization of the part to it. Whereas Bernard Lee, he just had to be the headmaster figure, didn't he? In a, like a public school bond almost telling him off. But, yeah, I I, I think he, for what yeah. he's given, he couldn't be better. He really couldn't. And I, I completely believe that he's the, the head of the head of MI6. I completely believe that he is in charge and that Bond respects him. Yeah. And he's good, they're good actors, you know. They're not, it's quite difficult as an actor when you're not given that many lines and you try and... Do, do an awful lot more with it than just be expository, as you say, John. And I think Bernard Lee does that. And when he gets his chance, just to have a bit, bit of colour yeah. to the character, like we've said, that just that bit in Thunderball, uh, like when we see him even very briefly at Bond's wedding in On a Magic Secret Service, he's, I think he's having a drink with Draco. Just gives you a little nice touch. And that, yeah, you, you mentioned the, the, the reference to some lads lads behavior or whatever in tokyo in from which we love just he does those well uh, as well as the the bits we, we know him famously for and it serves the character very well going forward and again we know we know you could say it's formulaic but once you get these tropes it's what people keep coming back for if one episode bernard lee was in a jolly mood mm. and he was it was all you're right mate how you, how you doing geez? you know all that it was just it just wouldn't work would it so you've got you. You have to maintain the same the same sort of relationship or develop it, um, and I think he does that well. <laughs> I, I mean, one thing I noticed throughout the series, I do think his character mellows a bit. Um, it certainly doesn't in Man with a Golden Gun, but I think Man with a Golden Gun. I think there's an awkward vibe in that film in terms of the trying to make everything a bit like the Connery era. The I don't think it's a problem with Roger, um, but I do think that the script writers really try and the directors are trying to take Roger down that Connery route. Um, a, the women hitting, that kind mm. of thing. He's a bit yeah. weird in it. It's not It's not natural. And I think there's a bit of that in Bernard Lee as well. I think he is just so grumpy in that film. Mm. But 
then you go to uh, Spy Love Me and Moonraker. Um, I don't know if Moonraker, if it's because he's unwell. I, I have read reports that he was very much in pain and unwell during the um, the filming of that. But I, I, I find like the scene when um, the in, Inspire Love Me, when Gogol and Triple X, Bond, they're all together. And he goes on about Stromberg's centre being in Corsica. And he gives this look like, oh, yeah. that's my boy. I'm so yeah, proud. Yeah. Well done, James. And yeah. then Triple yeah. X comes in and she goes, actually, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah. But, it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, there's just this little moment of pride. Yes. And then yes. in Moonraker, Freddie Gray has been compute, completely humiliated. He plays bridge with Hugo Drax. And now... Oh, a bit of, bit of close encounters. Yes. There we go. You know, and it's all there. And there's been a complete embarrassment. But again, he backs his man. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't give him one of them absolute rollickings like he does early on in the um in the Connery era. There does seem to be like this like mellow impot or trust, maybe. Mm. Um and and I wonder again, it's a bit different with the Lazenby one. The first bits with Lazenby is well grumpy, but yeah, he is. The bit when basically he's well grumpy and he takes uh, Bond off but the mission, doesn't he? The bit he, Bond wants uh, to find Blofeld, and he and he sort yeah, of just dismisses him, and then of course Bond resigns. He's, oh yeah, 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 all that. But but then it's the bit where they feel that Blofeld as one and he's resigned to it and uh and james basically decides i'm gonna have to ring draco for a mission here and we're yeah, gonna have to go yeah. and we're gonna have to sort pits gloria but he seems very resigned he's not he's not angry he's like it's almost like he makes a joke about blowfelt and snobbery because blowfelt wants um wants to be counted as a count Count the blow, Sean, and then he goes, it's a oh, funny yeah, thing, yeah. slobbery, and he gives this giggle. And it's almost like this attitude of, if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. Um, and I just, I'd, I'd, I'd have thought the crusty Bernard Lee would be like absolutely throwing the papers all around this room at this point. But it's just like, no, it's he's just resigned to it. And I think I do see this character development throughout the things, and I just love this guy. For for someone who doesn't have much to do, he adds so much to this character. Yeah. John, I've got to say, if I if I you know if I thought I loved Bernard Lee before, you've made me love him even more. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> <Yeah>. the man. <laughs> I can't wait there to look is... out for all this stuff in, in those yeah. in those films. <laughs> you do. You seem to discover even more, don't you? I think just uh, discussing th- things through in this therapy session. Uh, we're all doing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll pay you later. Yeah, thank you. John, yeah. There, there's actually a couple of uh, funnier incidents. I, I will keep calm uh, now. Yeah, yeah, do, please do. <laughs> yeah, M, M visits uh, Bond's. Um, <laughs> in fact, Bond Bond visits M's house. I think in Honor Majesty. So that's very underrated. Is that when he's? Is there a butterfly collection? Or very, some... very underrated. Yeah. 
It's like a nice, almost country yeah. mansion. It's, well, it's a very impressive house, obviously. It's a very impressive house, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we find out that he's into a lepidorological... Lepidoro- I'm not going to even try and say that. You know, <laughs> he's, into, he's into butterflies. Let's he call is, it yeah. That, <laughs> that would have uh, won the quiz, wouldn't it? Whoever got that one. Goodness me. Uh, the, other, the other incident with... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. With a yeah. house is if you remember in Live and Let Die, I think it's fairly early on. M and Money Penny visit Bond's London flat, and <laughs> this is where the comedy of it's a bit like Faulty Towers, yeah. isn't it? Hiding the dead body, hiding Miss Caruso, and apparently she's an Italian agent. <laughs> like, she doesn't particularly strike you as a secret agent, does she? But anyway, she's brilliant. You know that she like she's still uh, hosts James Bond events now. Oh, like perfect. for an extra quick book on the slide, if you go to say a special screening of Live and Let Die, she will host it. If it's it's brilliant, <laughs> you know she. Yeah, it's how she just makes her money now. Fair play to her. <laughs> Miss Crusoe is welcome to the explore the really 007 podcast in future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Live Let Die special. Yeah. Right, so that is the that's uh, that's Bernard Lee. Now Robert Brown took over the role uh, from Bernard Lee at uh, the start of the eighties. He. Of course, could have been cast in um, Fiori's only, but as we've said, that was uh, kept out due to the respect to Bernard Lee, who had suffered uh, and died during filming. So Robert Brown, his first Bond was Octopussy, and he played M in four films. So he played uh, M also in A View to a Kill, and then the two Timothy Dalton films, Living Daylights and License to Kill. Here's obviously where the connection comes in. We did explore this a bit in the Octopussy episode, but Robert Brown, of course, had played Admiral Hargreaves in The Spy Love Me. Uh, so it is implied that it's the same guy and he's been promoted because it's probably quite a realistic uh, promotion where you, where you come from uh, the heights of the Navy to the heights of the MI6. Um, the the other, only other thing worth saying is when Octopussy, of course, was out, we had Never Say Never Again as the non-official Bond. Um, Edward Fox played him in that in that film, and he was a bit younger then and a bit spiky, a bit frosty. We don't need to say any more than that. We won't go into Robert uh, Edward Fox for the purpose of this episode. <laughs> so, um, Robert Brown... Talking James Bond film here. Yes, well, we will We will definitely explore Never Stay Never Again because uh, there's, there's so much to talk about. Probably not all for the right reasons, but... Just the fact that Mr. Bean's in it, I mean, that's enough for me. <laughs> you were supposed to be in Istanbul last night. I'm afraid this unfortunate lighter business has uh, clouded your judgment. You have a job to do. I expect you're on a plane this afternoon. I haven't finished here, sir. Leave it to the Americans. It's their mess. Let them clear it up. Sir, they're not going to do anything. I owe it to Lighter. He's put his life on the line for me many times. Oh, spare me this sentimental rubbish. He knew the risks. And his wife? This private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. 
you have an assignment, and I expect you to carry it out objectively and professionally. Then you have my resignation, sir. We're not a country club, Double Seven. Effective immediately. Your license to kill is revoked, and I require you to hand over your weapon. I need hardly remind you that you're still bound by the Official Secrets Act. And I guess it's uh, a farewell to arms. Yes, so uh, Robert Brown, he again had one of these unusual careers where he mainly had small parts, uh, in, including uncredited appearances in, like we've said, The Third Man and Ben-Hur, apparently. But he... I yeah. don't know, for someone who yeah, I think's yeah, yeah. a very, very good screen presence and he seems to be a very, very good actor, he's not actually been a main character in many things and has just almost had it like as a, a side job or something throughout throughout the years. So I, I think he's perhaps been a little bit wasted. What Another character that he's played that I'm sure all three of us remember him from was in uh, Franco Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth where he played one of the Pharisees. Uh, there's quite a lot of uh, famous faces in that throughout the cast. And, mm. Yeah, so Robert Brown was in that. The reason I think, one of the reasons he got involved with the Bond franchise was because he's very close to Roger Moore and they starred together in Ivanhoe, the TV series. This is way before, of course, I think it was in the 50s, wasn't it? Way before Roger was, was, was uh, given the role of James Bond. So I think Roger actually recommended him for the part of M when it had come up. So that's how he got the job. There's also, uh, this is quite interesting, Brown, Robert Brown was godfather to one of Roger's daughters, Deborah. So they were obviously very close. And maybe that's one of the reasons why they don't quite look like the, oh, you're, I'm in charge of you and you don't speak back to me. And they, they, they did have good chemistry, though, you'd say, definitely, in their scenes. So, yeah, uh, the first film Robert Brown's in is in Octopussy and... As we've discussed on the Octopussy episode, there's some cracking scenes and a bit of uh, spikiness from from M when he berates him for bidding for the egg and then has to do a U-turn when he realises that uh, it was, of course, a fake and that Bond's done the right thing. Yeah, so um, obviously you guys would, did the Octopussy uh, <clears throat> episode and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm looking forward, very much looking forward to hearing that. Um, yeah, so... As you say, you had no business bidding for that egg. Uh, very much, very much remember that. Um, yeah. So, like you say, he and he and Roger Moore seem at some points to almost be not not far off equivalents. Sorry, I should say his M and Roger Moore's Bond almost at some point seem to be equivalents. But at that point, he he does uh, exert his authority, um, and then. Um, a View to a Kill, um, if I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember their scenes together, but I think there is a bit of a shift when it comes to um, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And he very much he very much has authority over him. There's the cracking opening scene on, you know, uh, at Gibraltar where M is mm. so crisp on a, on a plane or behind a desk, you know, before he goes, blast! Yes. Um, <laughs> and we don't know which one is Bond. But it's clear, it's clear, it's clear there that he's he's in charge, and you know he gives out the orders. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, and and you know, as we've as we've touched upon in License to Kill at, at Hemingway House, um, you know, Bob, um, M M speaks to him about you know you should have been in Istanbul last night, and again, it's clear he is in charge and that he is completely not accepting Bond going rogue and going after Felix's, um, well, the people responsible for Felix's injuries and Felix's wife's death. Um, and I think, I think that is a cracking scene. I, I think that is a really, really good scene. And it, it, it shows off Robert Brown's acting uh, potential and, and Timothy Dalton's as well. And yeah, I think that's a really, really memorable M and Bond scene. Um, and I think, in terms of Robert Brown, I think in some ways he'll pro- he, he'll probably always live in Bernard Lee's shadow because he came not immediately after because of the for your eyes only gap, but almost you know a man similar age to similar age to Bernard Lee, I imagine. And you know, there's a similar age gap be- between him and Bond, particularly when it comes to the Timothy Dalton one. So. Again, I, I really like Robert Brown. I think he I think he fits the bill um, for the authoritative figure who can show Bond some respect and back him, um, but also admonish him when necessary. And I that I think the problem is that people wouldn't necessarily. I don't think that many people would remember him, sadly, because he's he's almost too much. He's more of the same, in effect, of, of Bernard Lee. Um, yeah. So I think your average person. You know, if if I went up to if I went up to your average viewer of films who's not that much of a Bond fan, I don't know whether they'd quickly recall Robert Brown's M, which is a shame because I, I think he brings a lot to the table. Yeah, yeah, totally. Agree I, with I, that. I I do agree. I I like Robert Brown's M. I do echo Muff's. I, I sorry, yeah, I I do echo Muff's viewpoint about. He possibly suffers from being more of the same. They definitely went down that route. Um, I I think the Dalton dynamic works far better than the Roger Moore dynamic, if I'm being honest. And I don't think it's anything against Ro- uh, Robert Brown. I think it's more a case of the similar ages in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, you look at that scene when they go to Royal Ascot and you're in View to a Kill and you've got Ro- Roger Moore, you've got Robert Brown, you've got Tibbet and you've got Q. <laughs> and it looks like it's the stag party to Roger's fourth wedding. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? You know, it looks <laughs> like we're having a shindig. I've got myself an upgrade and let's have a, let's have a shindig at, at Ascot. You know, and and it looks like Em's having a jolly good time. Like Bernard Lee goes to Tokyo, Bobby Brown goes to uh, goes to Ascot. Right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, Pegasus, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but having said all that, and I'm having a bit, I'm being a bit silly here, but I just think I I really like in Living Daylights when. Um, we're the laughing stock of England and all yeah, that. Yeah. And, and Freddie Gray has this absolute yeah. paddy, like like a proper politician would do. You know, like you can tell he's the uh, he's the secretary there. You know, he, his first priority is, is that how is this going to look? Mm-hmm. And it's like he goes out, he has to go and inform the PM what's happened. And then Bobby Brown, you can tell he's annoyed, but actually he... 
brings a bit of reason into it. He starts listening to the situation. He starts, you know, he questions um, James about the beautiful girl that he didn't kill and all the rest of it, all the rest of it. But then he listens to the situation and he sets him off. And I actually think that that kind of part is where Robert Brown works well in terms of that. I see him as the affable M. I see him as the... He's, he comes across the most friendly out of the four M's, and I actually feel that there you see is he's he's actually reasonable. He's a reasonable man. Um, having said that, you then get to license to kill, and you can tell that he can dish out um, the dirt when he needs to. Uh, I do. I always find that scene a bit funny. I always do, uh, if I'm being totally honest, and I love it. Like he has. He has guards up in the tower. He's surrounded everywhere with with um, with AK forty sevens. So it's pretty obvious. It's not very it's not very inconspicuous, is it? And then all of a sudden, don't shoot. There's too many people around. Yeah, yeah. Just don't don't, have don't the shoot. Guns there in the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um and obviously he has a bit he obviously has a love for cats i, I, mean, I don't know maybe maybe <laughs> found uh blofeld's cat down the chimney after for your eyes only and he decided to, <laughs> and he decided to take up a love for cats i don't know <laughs> but but no I, I do like robert brown he's very good um i just i do agree with math though but he probably fit he probably suffers from being in Bernard Lee's shadow and the continuation of being a similar character. Yeah. I think part of it is a bit like the criticism of Roger Moore where the stock response is, oh, his films were a bit sillier or he he didn't do as many serious uh, scenes. But then when you examine the films a bit more closely, there's some very serious Roger scenes and there are some proper bollocking scenes, aren't there, from Robert Brown as M. We've mentioned the license to kill one, which mm. I still think is probably well. I'll set that along with another scene we'll, we'll go into shortly is the best M scene, I think. Um, and the Living Daylights before that, he does actually argue with um, Bond over Pushkin as to whether or not he's a psychotic. And like we mentioned, he he should have killed uh, he should have killed Kara, shouldn't he, as the sniper. And he even threatens to send 008. He would keep getting going back to yeah. 008, don't we? <laughs> well, Rob was saying, uh, you know, is 008 not quite as good as Bond? And the, does 001, is he the best secret agent? <laughs> but he mentions 008 and he says, he, he follows orders, not instincts. So he does he does dish it out a bit. But yeah, so I, I think he, 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 gets, he gets fairly, unfairly... I don't know, put down as a, as a nice cosy M and an essential bond that were sort of criticising for that. And they were also saying, oh, what a shame that his final appearances is by far his strongest scene and he really shows his authority to bond. That may be because the plot demanded it more and we wanted a grittier feel to it, but he certainly lives up to it. It's, you know, he just says, spare me this sentimental rubbish. He knew the risks when we've just had his best friend killed, murdered. Yeah. Uh, and it, so his wife's, his best friend, wife murdered and Felix Great. losing his leg. That's probably what would happen in real life, isn't it? I think if you're in yeah. a job like that, you, you can't be getting sentimental, can you? If you if you watch SAS Who Dares Wins and they were just whinging all the time, they'd be kicked out straight away, wouldn't 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I found it interesting after looking at his filmography that such an amazing performance in License to Kill, he only ever did one more film after that, which was mm. uh, the Mer- Merlin of the Crystal Cave in 1991. <laughs> and he did no other films after that. So I don't know if there was any reasoning for that, but but he, uh, he certainly went out on a high, didn't he? Yeah, out. he did. Yeah. Yeah. He certainly did. With Merlin. <laughs> with with Merlin, naturally. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you like the Really 007 podcast, why not follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. Really 007. Judy Dench was the third actor to play M, and she appeared in eight films, so nearly as many actually as Bernard Lee. Technically seven, but she's there as sort of a, a cameo, as you like, in Skyfall on a, a video message. Yeah. Sorry, not in Skyfall, Inspector. But uh, yeah, because technically, of course, her character was one of those crazy ones. Off. Yeah, one of the, yeah. Uh, she was killed off in Skyfall, but uh, they thought, oh, here's a little twist. Here's a little bit more M for you to try and I don't know. Who knows? But what a mess! What a mess! So. We start with uh, her first appearance, which was in Goldeneye. And after Licence Killed had been a six-year gap and it was time for a new bond with Pierce Brosnan, uh, in fact, all personnel were changed with uh, new Money Penny and Samantha Bond and a new M. And it was a bit of a bold move at the time. It might not seem bold at all now, but in 1995 to have a female uh, boss of MI6. But, of course... It, it wasn't uh, that much stranger than reality, of course, because it's clearly based on Sterling Remington, who at the time was the, the real-life head of MI5. And I think they got a bit of their inspiration from from that appointment. And that was quite a big thing in the news at the time, that uh, a, a female had been given such a great opportunity. Uh, and Judy Dench, at the time, of course, was a was quite a big name in, in theatre, as Dad would say. So she was given the, uh, the the chance to to fill Robert Brown's hot seat. She was M for the entire Pierce Brosnan era and, uh, well, all of the Craig years as well, assuming she isn't in another video voicemail or something cameo in No Time to Die. Um, it's implied that she's worked for MI6 for some time. She says she misses the Cold War, so she was obviously involved uh, with MI6 or some something like that. Uh, at some stage before she was appointed as M. She's probably called into question more than any other M in terms of how she's doing the job. And that culminates with uh, what we'll be discussing fairly soon on the Really 007 podcast in Skyfall, where there's a whole public inquiry into her running of MI6. Uh, in other in other films as well, she's, she's given uh, quite a bit of criticism from, from other departments. I think maybe die another day with the Americans. Um, and also she, of course, gets more involved in the plot, particularly in The World Is Not Enough. Unlike the previous incarnations of M, we do get an insight into her family life. She she says, first of all, she has children <laughs> uh, to build Tanner in Goldeneye. She says, if I want sarcasm, Mr. Tanner, I'll speak to my children. So... We assume she does have kids. <laughs> uh, in Casino Royale, she's she's seen sleeping next to a man, we presume it's her husband. Um, 
And I think in uh, Skyfall, where Bond goes and visits a house, which is all a bit odd, she uh, it's revealed, I think, that she's now a widow. So we do get quite a bit of uh, insight into her character uh, and background without ever seeing them, which I think is good because we don't really need to, to hear much more about that when you're watching a Bond film. Just little snippets uh, here and there are, are good enough. Now, the biggest, the biggest thing you have to say with Judy Dench playing M, which really does, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me particularly because Casino Royale, of course, is a reboot. Um, it has to be a reboot because we're told that Bond is a novice and he, she says, I, I knew we shouldn't have promoted you yet. Uh, so if she's still M, then who was the previous guy who appeared in Die Another Day and the films before that? It's obviously an inconsistency that you've just got to sort of write off, hasn't it? Because it, it doesn't make sense. We know that. <laughs> she's aged. The character's aged. The films are set uh, in contemporary settings. So it doesn't make sense. But I will say that I think that her relationship with Daniel Craig is one of the one of the bigger bigger highlights in the Craig films. And again, it, it gives it does give you that little link between Dine of the Day uh, and then the Pierce Brosnan films and the Daniel Craig films from Casino Royale. You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant, a bean counter, more interested in my numbers than your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good, because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, 007. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. I want you to find Goldeneye find who took it, what they plan to do with it, and stop it. And if you should come across Uramov, guilty or not, I don't want you running off on some kind of vendetta. Avenging Alec Trevelyan will not bring him back. You didn't get him killed. Neither did you. Don't make it personal. Never. Bond? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Come back alive. So in terms of Judy Dench, she's obviously by far the most famous uh, act to play M. She, at the time, it's actually, it's actually hard to, 
to believe that she wasn't probably that famous when she was cast as M because up to that point she was a theatre actress and she she performed everything from Shakespeare to cabaret. Apparently she she won awards for that, so all singing and all dancing. Obviously an extremely talented actress and she was actually already a dame before she'd even uh, been in any of the James Bond films and before she'd been in uh, what the other role up until then that you would have probably remembered for her for was, of course, As Time Goes By. So she was a dame even before she'd been in that. And that uh, resumes that amazing partnership with Jeffrey Palmer, which we, we had a bit of in Tomorrow Never Dies, which was quite nice. So since then, since M, that's opened her doors to Hollywood. And my word, I mean, she's she's been absolutely unstoppable. She's won an Oscar for um, Shakespeare in Love, She's hardly in. I think it's like the shortest time needed to get an Oscar. But she's actually she's actually got six more nominations for Best Actress, which is absolutely unbelievable, really. And personally, I think she's she is one of the best actresses out there. And some of the some of the brilliant films she's been in, she's been in Iris. I don't know whether you've seen that. I thought she was absolutely fantastic in that. Um, when she's losing her memory, really good performance. She got the, these. She all got nominations for these. Notes on a Scandal, which is superb. Yeah, absolutely outstanding film. Brilliant performance with a little twist with her characters. She gets a bit nasty, so playing very different characters. And then, of course, Philomena. So going almost to outright oh, comedy yeah. at points in that. Uh, she got yes, yeah, got nominated for all of those and could have won really uh, for any of those. Personally, I, I love the best exotic Marigold Hotel films. I think they're cracking. I think they're really good fun. And, of course, she's brilliant in them. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all, all, all right, John, uh, to, to sum up as well, who else, maybe Ian McKellen, but who else would come out of Cats unscathed? I think you could say that. <laughs> so, uh, yes, old, old, yeah. old uh, yeah. Old cat in that. It's an interesting yardstick, Tom. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming we're all big fans of Judy Dench as, a, as an actor. Phenomenal. She, um, I mean, look at, I mean, I've read this today. One Oscar, six nominations, whatever. She's won six BAFTAs for films, four BAFTAs for TVs, seven Olivier's, two Screen Actors Guild Awards, two Golden Globes and a Tony. I mean, we're talking absolute acting royalty yeah, here. absolutely. And no one can deny that. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, I mean, th- those that list of awards, John, that's just that's just outstanding. It's unbelievable, really, to hear all that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah, she's just such a good – she's got such a good presence on screen and, you know – the, the, uh, it's brilliant to hear those list of roles, Tom, that you that, that you mentioned because there's such a versatility there as well. Um, yeah, particularly, I mean, notes on the scandal. I, I'm, I don't know how how widely known that film is, um, but I, I, you know, I think it's a really good film. And and to see her in a role like that compared to a Philomena or a Best Best Exotic Marigold Marigold Hotel, can't even say the, the name of the film, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think it just shows an incredible breadth and yeah, just a phenomenal um, you know array of work that she's done. She, she's brilliant, and you almost forget how old she is because she's still putting in stonking performances. Even uh, she's well into her eighties now, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So brilliant. yeah, I mean, she, she's brilliant, and and I think she's. Uh, 
I think she, you know, we'll come on to it, but I think she's she's a real presence in in each Bond film that she's in. Yeah, it, it goes to show, doesn't it? When it, any other job, uh, you'd be like, if you were still working, I think she's eighty five now. Any other job, it'd be like, really sure you don't want to retire? But she obviously loves she loves acting, and it 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 must come it's come so naturally to her, and she she, I think, like you say. One of the best British actresses ever, you have to say. She must be right up there, and that's not just based on nominations and, and all those awards and all that. Um, but like, so it was a very, very good bit of casting, wasn't it, at the time? Because, like I say, she hadn't really done films. She probably was quite new to the whole process, which is totally different, isn't it? Cinema to being on a stage and uh, being on a sitcom set with a live studio audience—that it's a—it's a completely different scenario. And she absolutely nails it, doesn't she? So if we, we go into her first film, as said before, perhaps the Robert Brown scene in Licence to Kill is is the best, but if it isn't, I, I think it's got to be this this scene with them, hasn't it? It's absolutely outstanding. I'm presuming you're talking about GoldenEye. I am uh, indeed, sir. Go- uh, well, I mean, it's one of the best introductions you can never have to a character really isn't it i mean you have all this at the time there's a bit of controversy over are we gonna have a female m there's little bits throughout the thing you know robbie cole triggers i hear the new m is a woman and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff you've got that really playing it up. <laughs> yeah um michael kitchen calls her the um the evil queen of numbers it's all there in there um she's obviously into her statistics James is a bit sarcastic with it. You don't like me, Bond. You know, you think I'm a bean counter, all that kind of bang. Well, I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. Um, and and then she knows full well what's been going on with regards to James and the um, the driving instructor. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, she, like, she knows full well with that, what's been going on there. And... <laughs> have I said some of that? Poor girl, just... I said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and then she absolutely takes it. And then at the end of it, she just goes, Come back alive. I mean, I'm to- we are talking. Yeah. yeah. Absolute. That's it. Ju- Dame Judy, if we just looked at the four Pierce Brosnan films, would be my absolute favorite. M. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I I, I that think there the, is a the divide. Films after that she was in, you didn't you? Didn't, uh, it's not it's <laughs> it's not a criticism of Dame Judy. It's a criticism of the writing, um, and I think that there are two sides to it. Um, uh, one thing that's going to come out on this podcast is is that I think one of the main things that needs to change is they need to get rid of Purvis and Wade. I think they've and um, if you're listening. Take the hint, um, but like, <laughs> thanks for what you've done. They've earned their retirement vote. Um, <laughs> but, um, they wrote Johnny English. But what so I do, they deserve a pat on the back for they, that. They did write Johnny English, so they can do it. You can do it. Make a funny Bond film. <laughs> uh, it's got all the all the ingredients, hasn't it? What, Great formula for a Bond film. Yeah, you can do it. Um, but I think that they suffer. They, they, they over-egg Dame Judy in the um, 
later films. I think the ending's good in Skyfall. I think the Nadia is in Quantum of Solace. And the issue with it is, is, is that we have got the head of MI6. We have got one of the most targeted women in the whole of the world. And basically the whole story is a jet setting mission of where M can be seen next. She goes. Yeah, from it is. Yeah. She follows Austria him, doesn't she? Everywhere. To Bolivia. She just follows him everywhere. And they try and make it this side. And it's like, stop a minute. Just stop a minute. <laughs> you are one of the most wanted women ever in this. And go and send one of your agents. Go and send a field worker. And it's like they indulge in it. And it spoils the character. Do you think and that it's is not part Judy Dench's We've got Judy Dench. We really need to make the most of her in the screen time. I I absolutely think it is. And I Ooh. think it's because of the absolute success that is The World Is Not Enough. And um, I, I think... Stay tuned. That one... Was, oh, oh, The World Is Not Enough. <laughs> oh, that one did it right in terms of that it made a personal issue uh, there was a family background issue and you could understand the reasoning for her going out there from Electra. There was a, there was a personal responsibility. Uh, Dame Judy had this thing that throughout her uh, as M, tenure as M, she uses people that she knows as bait. She has this thing that she does it mm. throughout. She she does it with she does it with Electra. Um, she does it with Pierce Brosnan in Die Another Day. Um, she does it with Raul Silver. She 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 has this thing. She yeah. While she's played as a maternal to, figure uh, in Daniel Craig, she wants to get Bond to pump uh, Paris Carver for information. Of course, but yeah. <laughs> she is happy to play people if it is for the sake of the mission, um, and that and then she goes out in the world is not enough and does it, and you can understand where she goes, why she goes. And it works, and you watch the world's not enough, and you go, ah, oh, great, M's in the field. We've never seen this before. But it's like, then they go, oh, we'll take that idea, and we'll crank the volume up to 10, and we'll take it too far. And I think that that is why it's over-egged a bit from then on. And to be honest, like, I cringed, and I shouldn't do it. It's not against Dame Judy because she's amazing. But I cringed when the whole point of Spectre's storyline is, I'm going to I'm gonna actually disregard my own boss's order now because Mummy sent me a video. And that's how I felt it. <laughs> and it was really annoying to me. It was like, and I'm she sorry, that, but she? this is not how it works. She wouldn't do that mm. because it was always for the sake of the mission. Um, but I'm going to stop now and let someone else talk before I go too far. <laughs> that was a very uh, impassioned uh, speech there, there, John. <laughs> um, yeah. So, just in terms of um, my feelings on 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 Dame Judy, first of all, I can no longer hear her name. Um, I've got a mate who's an Arsenal fan, and uh, he was arriving at the ground once, and he was asking. So he asked someone who sat near him, um, uh, you know, what, what's the team? And they didn't mention, I think it was either Theo Walcott or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And so uh, my mate went, well, where, where's Walcott? Like, Dame Judy, mate. Like, sorry? Like, Dame Judy. Like, he's on the Dame Judy. Oh, oh, the, the Dame Judy Dench, the substitute. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so, so yeah, good. I you know I have a phrase for either of them, but yeah. So, anyway, but that that you know that that's always uh, not very nice towards the great act, actor herself. Um, yeah, so I think in Goldeneye, it's such a good scene. It's absolutely, it's brilliantly written, I should say, um, and it establishes a new relationship between M and Bond that we've not seen before. Um, Obviously, the fact that she's a woman establishes a new relationship that we've not seen before. But that that tension between um, a new approach, a new analytical, um, you know, relying on statistics and and things like that, rather than field work and you know, your gut instinct and, and all that. And and you know, we've never seen Bond put put in his place almost in that way before. And I think it, I think it's a really remarkable remarkable scene, but. Like you quite quite um, quite correctly identified, John, with that bond, come back alive, you know, so that there is yeah. that yeah. just that element of of you know care and her wanting, um, you know, not just sending him completely to his death without any you know hint. Of, I know she says you know if you don't, but mm. I won't do it on a whim. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's I think I think it's a wonderful scene. I would perhaps argue that too much by the time that tomorrow never dies comes around there's perhaps isn't enough of that i would per, i would perhaps argue uh, maybe i'm not not remembering it correctly but um and she, although she does that that really good thing of what i said bernard lee does um, in tomorrow never dies you know um backing him when other people are attacking him so you know you know what 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 the hell does he think he's doing or something like that like his job um yeah so yeah I, I i i would i would possibly just argue that in tomorrow dies i wouldn't have minded seeing a little bit more of the tension um by the time we get to world is not enough i remember watching that and thinking whoa this is a bit of a big deal m being personally involved in the story um you know to begin with i was a bit like not sure not sure about it um but I think it's the right level of um, of her being involved. You wouldn't want it every time, but I think it's a, I think it's a decent I think it's a decent story point. Um, she shows you know some of her own wits and everything, um, particularly thinking about when she puts the battery in the uh, in the <laughs> tracker, which which shows where she is. Um, yeah, um, and then die another day. Yeah, there is that tension again with the CIA. Um, uh, and there is, you know, the tension a bit between her and Bond because she, she, she was, you know, for the for the for the emphasis on on the mission, she would have been okay with him had he taken his cyanide and killed himself. Um, obviously, die another day is really. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know how many episodes we're going to need for that one, but um, yeah. But by the time the Daniel Craig thing comes around. Um, Daniel there is Craig a bit of a thing, brilliant. Yeah, sorry. Well, you know, it's a whole yeah, yeah. Well, say it's a whole nother ball game or um just to jump to Skyfall and Spectre very quickly, because I don't want to be taking up all, all loads of time. But Spectre, I think uh, sorry, Skyfall. I think and I do like Skyfall, it is it is the Daniel Craig Bond film I enjoy watching the most. I I just feel that 
the fact that the whole mission revolves around her is perhaps a little bit too much. And it's, I think I would have liked this brilliant villain in silver to have had something else, an overall goal that he was chasing to be a bit different to... Well, he, sort of he did. He, he was all yeah. doing it for Spectre and uh, Blofeld, apparently. Well, <laughs> yeah, well no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that lazy retconning. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I will come on to that in another episode or in a sec. But I, uh, just in terms of Skyfall, I, I don't know. I just think it's a bit... And he's got all his mercenaries with him who we're meant to believe they're all joining him to try and kill M, but only he can kill M. But I don't know. Anyway, um, but her performance in it is brilliant and her dying in it, I think is, I think is, you know, it it does tug at the heartstrings, I I think. And Daniel Craig gives a very emotional performance, particularly, you know, in that moment um, when she dies in his arms, that's quite, it's quite a harrowing little uh, scene there. Um, her cameo inspector, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, 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 it jars a little bit. It, it, see, it, I think it's just for the purpose of the story that they want to they want to tell, rather than it being true to the character. Uh, and that's one of several issues that I have with that film. So there you go. There's my uh, whistle stop tour of, of Dame Judi Dench. <laughs> Sorry, Marth, just to pick up on what you said about the Tomorrow Never Dies one, I think whilst you're right, uh, I think there isn't a tension between uh, Dame Judy and uh, Pierce. And I think I think there is that misogyny kind of thing with her and Jeffrey Palmer. Um, so, like, yes. there is... Uh, I think he Fellows says you don't have the balls. Um, yeah. yeah, and Julian Fellows. And, and she says something like, perhaps not, but it doesn't mean I have to think with them. And yeah. Boom, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. I've got you there. You know, uh, brilliant yeah. line. Yeah. Straight away, you've got them by the Jeffers. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I really like that about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. The yeah, so the world is not enough. First of all, we obviously that's someone more engaged in the action than any other M we've we've ever seen. Um, that's the link with Renard and Electric King, isn't it? Um, to King's father, um, Robert King. I, yeah, like you say, Math. I think when I first saw it, it almost a prelude to what would become in the Craig era. Uh, I quite like it when episodes, are, uh, well, films are standalone, and it's a straightforward mission not to do with anything else. I suppose this still was, but uh, even any sort of slight variances where we have to sort of invest in anything but the main plot, we have to invest a bit more in M. It's 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 very sad and very traditional of me, but I, I do agree. As you, as the more I've seen it, it makes sense to the plot, and it it doesn't sort of do anything stupid that you think wouldn't have happened were that the motivations of Electra. Okay, I still think it's a bit funny seeing him trying to knock that clock off and trying to get the key. And, you know, that, that still jars a little with me in, t- in terms of, I don't know. But it, and, <laughs> and Tom, I, I know you're, uh, you're a big, you're not 
a big fan of, uh, or you find it hilarious when you just hear when uh, when Bond's running past, you hear her shouting, "Bond!" Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that yeah. some uh, hilarity in the uh, pickup. Yeah, household. yeah, it's it's not oh, what Judy it. Dent should be doing, but anyway, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think I... <laughs> we will discuss the world is not enough in massive detail very soon. It's it's a film that has sort of. Almost fell out of fashion, I think, uh, up until maybe a couple of years ago. And I think it's just got that second life, which is brilliant. I, I think that's great that it took on a match's secret service, goodness knows, maybe 30 years for people to finally realise how good it was. And World Is Not Enough is something that will, I think, only grow in reputation as we go on. But we will, we will, like I say, uh, delve specifically into the film itself. But going back to Judy Dench's M, if I thought that Will Is Enough was going a little bit too far in terms of the plot, I do agree. We we get the Home Alone finale, don't we? And again, do I want to see M sort of creating all these little contraptions that I just I know Bond's the one who's trying to help her and stuff. For me, that that was going too far. And you know, the the honest trailer of it's very funny, and it sort of sets it to the Home Alone music and. I, uh, the, the the other way of looking at it would be the it's a bit more like Straw Dogs, which is a horrible film. I don't know if anyone's seen the original. Um, pretty nasty I've seen film. Yeah, but... oh, right. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I, those again are not criticisms of of Judy Dench, and it does even if I don't really like that that sort of Home Alone haunted house scene or whatever it is, it does redeem itself with the you know the Roger Deakins late uh, ice battle and oh. the, the oh. interactions with Bardem because when, whenever we've got Bardem on screen in the film, it's winning, isn't it? So that brings it back. And I think, I think it works well as, as silly as it is. I agree, Math, that why is M one of the central plot points? Even if we disagree with that, it, it still works, doesn't it? Within the film, it still works. And Judy Dench is brilliant in that scene in the shed or whatever it is when she dies at the end. I mean, the only issue with this Skyfall, and I love Skyfall, and I think I think Tom, it might even be you who years ago said this to me, is just that ultimately James Bond fails at this mission, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, you yes, know, he u- does. Ultimately, yeah. um, the, the, Silver's plan is to kill M, and M dies. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that that's as black and white as it is, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and he wasn't uh, bothered about dying in the process as well, which he does, and so he. he he, you know, he he does so, yeah, and he he, he completes his mission. <laughs> <laughs> so so well done, well done, Raoul. Yeah. You know, you outfoxed Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, there's so much I want to say about Skyfall, uh, good and bad. What what a curate's egg it is, uh, but we will we will park it as the terminology goes for for. A very, very forthcoming episode in the Really 007 podcast. We will be focusing on Skyfall very soon. It's going to be the first Daniel Craig film we focus on. Not that we haven't spent hours and hours already uh, going through the, the, the Craig years and analysing the pros and cons, mainly cons, uh, of those four films so far. <laughs> and who knows, we might have even seen the new one by the time uh, but by the time we get to that. Uh, so we'll have oh, a real uh, insight into that. Although, of course, Judy Dench, I assume, won't be in that. 
Yeah, so now we get on to her replacement because after dying, of course, she was um, then in need of uh, being replaced as head of MI6. And Ralph Fiennes was the, the latest actor to uh, to sit in that hot seat. Now, Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, uh, however you say it, again, unlike, I suppose, Bernard Lee and uh, Robert Brown, that who weren't household names, Ray Fiennes certainly is. Uh, and it's another big, big name actor, isn't it, to, to, to put in place of what really is a supporting role. Now, I know that's one of the criticisms maybe of the, the Craig era that, these characters are perhaps given too much uh, in insights, and certainly Money Penny has a lot to do in Casino Real and maybe Skyfall. Sorry, not in Casino, in Skyfall. And sort of Ray Fine's character, who of course is, is named Gareth Mallory, he does get quite involved in the action as a sort of supporting player rather than the guy who just gives Bond his mission. So he is in that line of this, the new era where he's heavily involved in the plot. So he first of all appears in uh, Skyfall, of course, as uh, one of the subservients, I suppose, of of M, of Judy Dench's M. And he takes over from her at the end, which is it's almost presented as a twist, isn't it? Uh, that we, we've seen this guy before. I remember seeing it for the first time thinking, oh, right, it's a bit odd that why on earth would they have someone as big as Ray Fiennes as just this, this character who's going on in the background. And then, of course, when, when M dies, you thought, oh, right, brilliant. And that's a really pleasing moment, I think, at the end of Skyfall, when you do see him in his, in a really traditional-looking uh, MI6 office, that proper Bond and M relationship. I think that works really well. And I think, finally, we get a bit of the Bond theme as well, unless I remember that wrong. But, uh, yeah, so we... We get a bit more of the the background into his character in Skyfall because of where he's coming from. So he's he's actually been the chairman of the Intelligence Security Committee prior to heading MI6. He's a former lieutenant colonel in the British Army. He's been in Northern Ireland, apparently, with the SAS during the Troubles. He was even held hostage, apparently, for three months. So this guy is a hard nut. Goodness me, he's a, he's not a, a, a bean counter, is he? He's not an accountant. He's certainly someone who's... Uh, been doing stuff that James Bond's been doing. So we do respect him for, for that. In Spectre, uh, the 00 se- section of MI6 is briefly dismantled, <laughs> uh, of course, because they, they keep changing things like this. Uh, there's, that, there's that basic plot, isn't there, in the, going on in the background with Andrew Scott's character trying to... If you haven't seen it, if you've seen Mission Impossible... Um, Ghost Protocol, then you have seen uh, that, 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 that plot. Anyway, uh, so in addition to Mallory uh, being demoted, of course, he, he's, he, he's demoted in that film. And then, of course, he's, he's going around with Bond in the field and it's revealed that, that Nine Eyes initiative, which is what I was just talking about, is part of Spectre's plan for world domination. <sighs> yeah, so I think... I think um, this new M, the Finds M, meets Bond, possibly Money Penny, possibly Q. They all meet in a pub, don't they? Oh gosh! I, uh, please stop me, somebody. Yeah. But anyway, so good. Just uh, <laughs> it's go- all right. Yeah. No, they meet in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Have a pint. We'll go. You know? <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go into that in a bit more detail shortly. But. Start anywhere you like. 
Take your time, 007, but in five minutes the head of the Joint Security Service is going to walk through that door and I've got to explain to him how one of our agents decided to potter off to Mexico all on his own and cause an international incident. With all due respect, sir, it could have been worse. Worse? You blew up half a bloody block. Well, better half a block than a whole stadium full of people. You had no authority. None. As you know, we're in the middle of the biggest shake-up in the history of British intelligence. The ink's barely dry on this merger with MI5, and already they're itching for a chance to scrap the double-O program forever, and you've just given them one. You're right, sir. You have got a tricky day ahead. This is an official question. Mexico City, what were you doing there? It's just a coincidence. I was taking some overdue holiday. Okay, fine. As of this morning, you are officially grounded. I'm standing you down from all operations indefinitely. Just going back to Ray Fiennes, the actor himself. Uh, I mean, not not for me, but he, he's most famous, isn't he, now for playing Lord Voldemort in the Harry Potter films. I've, I have seen them, but um, certainly for me, I... I, I I have seen him in. He got early Oscar nominations for two absolutely brilliant films, mm. brilliant performances for Schindler's List yeah. and The English Patient. Yeah. Amazingly, he's not been nominated since. I didn't know that. Um, he must be one of a bit like Gary Oldman, where it was. What, how on earth has he not had an Oscar yet? It was. I'm sure Ray Fiennes will. It'll be his time once it's before I mean, long. But I, I've, uh, I'm a, I'm a massive, massive Ray Fiennes fan, and. Um, I, I've written down my five favorite Ray Fiennes roles, oh. and what I and and what I found from this is is that actually all the ones I put down are the pretty lowbrow roles. Like so, yeah. I I love I love his work in Schindler's List, but I could never put that down as one of my favorite characters because it's just such an appalling human Disgusting. being. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it, haircut, but then I look. <laughs> but we've got listen to this as a list, right? These are these. Are, this is my five. At number five, we've got the voice of Ramesses in Prince of Egypt. Oh yes, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, he, he's in so much. In number at number four, we've got Voldemort in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. In number three. We've got the Constant Gardener, which is a good film. Still and, not and that, seen that. I think yeah. he was Bafta. Nice I think he was Bafta nominated for that. Yeah, yeah and that isn't low, bro. You know, yeah. <laughs> in number two, we've got Dollarhide in Red Dragon. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah, with his accent, lovely. And he is phenomenal in that. Yeah, yeah. And it's an underrated me, film, that really. Uh, Oh, it's a very underrated Cause it, film. Because it's, it's, it's always really pale in really comparison film. to the other two. I know you're probably not as keen on Hannibal, John, but I think that I think both those two are pretty much perfect for me. But anyway. Um, I, well, I, I personally prefer Red Dragon to Hannibal, but I can still appreciate Hannibal for what it is. And then there's um, Manhunter <laughs> into the mix. But anyway, that's a yeah, whole yeah. other... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you listen well, to well, the Hannibal It's podcast. interesting you say that, Marf, because... Yeah. Because Brian Cox may be one of my future possible M's. So. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 He's getting on a bit, though, isn't he? If he's, yeah. He's going to have to wait until. It, well, he is, but I think it. M should be getting on a bit, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the other, and the, my number one is, and for me, he it's a crime that he was not Oscar nominated, it was the role of Monsieur Gustave in the Grand Budapest Hotel. 
Yeah, I couldn't believe he wasn't nominated for that. I was looking back and I was I was trying to see that and I thought, surely, because of all the nominations yeah, yeah. he got, surely he got one. I think he got a yeah. BAFTA or a Golden Globe nomination, maybe. Or well, that film was Oscar nominated all over the place for everything, yeah. but he, he held the film together. Really I mean, how can you yeah, not yeah. give an Oscar? How can you not give a nomination to the basically the guy who's in every single scene? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it shows how good he is at comedy I mean, as well. I, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Which, but yeah, the, he's the other anyway, film. Sorry, that, back to that. In Bruce, Tom, are you gonna? Is that yes, that's what I was gonna uh, say. Yeah, that's probably one I of my other. When you said him about the comedy, yeah. Yeah, you can do it, can't you? You can do it all, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I love him. Um, do you know his full name? No, nope, but it's probably so quite his posh, full name. It? <laughs> it's uh, it's Ralph or Rafe, whichever way you want to describe that. Let's go, Rafe. Rafe Nathaniel Twisten, Twistleton Wycombe Fiennes or Fines. Rafe Nathaniel Twistleton Wycombe Fines. That's what he's called. Incredible. Born in Ipswich. That's what we're bringing to the uh, the new Daniel Craig franchise. Uh, roles for privileged actors from lovely homes. No, no, he's superb. He's superb. I won't hear any criticism. <laughs> there's a, there's another film um, actually, which you probably haven't seen, which is absolutely stunning, and it's called The Bigger Splash, which is I think it's from the director of Call Me by Your Name, which uh, won a couple of Oscars. But a bigger mm. splash. It's it's basically it's him and Tilda Swinton uh, as artists, and it's inspired by the David Hockney painting, a bigger splash, which was probably his most famous painting. I know we're getting very high right now. Uh, where it's just a couple in a swimming pool in a in a sort of Italian villa, and the, the film basically gets all its plot points from that. And <laughs> What was it? What were this couple up to, and what was their relationship? And it's superb. I really, really recommend that film. I thought it was absolutely outstanding, and he he's very good in it. Mm. And obviously, Tilda Swinton's excellent as well. Um, another another film that certainly uh, <laughs> has been overlooked a bit, uh, which is very funny, and was Cemetery Junction, the Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant's film. Oh yeah, he's playing the, the father of Felicity. Felicity Jones, isn't it? And he's absolutely horrible. He's uh, absolutely awful to uh, M- Emily Watson. He's, uh, he's uh, his wife. He's really horrible, putting her down all the time. And, yeah. It, it, again, going back to the more sort of uh, nasty sides that he can play. But he's such a versatile actor, again, like Judy Dench. He is. And um, he's definitely... He must be the most famous actor to have taken on the role at the point that they took on the role. Um, yes, definitely. And I yeah. think, like you say, Tom, um, you know, I mean, I, d- I don't know whether I was I was being a bit thick. I'm not sure whether I quite thought, oh yeah, he'll definitely be, he'll definitely be taking over as M. May- maybe I, I, I don't know. Maybe you know, right at the point you couldn't see who who he was opening the door to, and and then it, it cuts to him. Uh, I might have just been ahead of the game, which you know, as a writer, you want the audience that's to be fine. in that. General yeah, that works well. Based. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of him as as M, it, you know, it's it's been quite a difficult. It's quite difficult to assess in some ways because yeah, it is. Yeah, obviously, he's he's you know he is an M when we first introduced to him, um, and he's you know he's a pretty good character. It explains that backstory. Um, 
and then you know you think of him as 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 a hindrance but then he's actually you know he helps out um with you know tracking bond and laying the breadcrumbs for um silver to follow in a very vague plot point but that's not that's not <laughs> his, his, any, any error with him yeah. and then and then yeah in, inspector i don't know I, I really did think that was a lift and shift from uh, from mission impossible where they thought um particularly right well ethan hunt's got this team around him we think we've got we've yeah. got these, you know really good actors like ben wishaw naomi harris and uh ray fines we need for them to be doing some stuff in the background yeah. whilst all this you know is a sort of b plot point um and yeah. i don't know it doesn't work for me and i think it's a bit of a waste of all three of them to be honest with you yeah absolutely it's it's very avengers assemble isn't it it's uh, yes <laughs> just oh dear <sighs> I mean, I, I personally, Ray Fiennes is the best thing about Spectre for mm-hmm. me. Um, not because he does anything outstanding, but because I love him full stop. And I could probably pick a hole in anything else in the film. Uh, and I can't with him. I like his story regarding... Um, the, I don't like his story, but I like how he plays the bit with Sid, yeah. Andrew Scott's character. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. You know, I like how he does that. I one, one, one observation of the film, though, is he's got, he's got a right unloyal set of uh, people working for him, hasn't he? You know, he's got James who goes off because the predecessor sent a DVD. Yeah. Hugh then decides to lie for him. And do that, yep. and Money Penny's going around finding stuff about the White Knight or whatever. Is it the White Knight? Is that what he's called? Pale King, Mister White, Pale King, Pale King, White Knight. You bring it all back now, White Knight. What? Yeah, Black yeah. Fish, the White the Knight, Pale King. <laughs> that's that's what that was from. Yeah, I knew there was something yeah, there. That's more. Um, and and yeah, um, and I feel I feel for him with that because I feel that like. Um, that would never happen under Bernard Lee. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't. No. It wouldn't happen. It won't work um, with with his portrayal no. of them and within the films themselves. They'd never do that. No, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes with him. Uh, I'm I'm fully on board. Very fines. I uh, I sincerely hope that this is Craig's last last film. Uh, but I actually sincerely hope that Ray Fines continues. For the Absolutely. time being, I would love that. Um, just going on your point, Tom, I absolutely loved that end of Sp- Skyfall when they opened the door and we had the old school. We had the wooden pine kind of vibes going on. We had the brown leather yeah. on the door. Yeah. It's like we're going back to we're going back to the old school. That's what I want to yeah. see. After the Shame monstrosity of yeah. the glass <laughs> building in Quantum of Solace with oh. touch screens. We've gone back to leather and pie. Yeah. And that is always right. what MI6 <laughs> should be. So was MI6? Here, here. It, throughout Judy Dench, and obviously then certainly in Spectre, it's the it's the building on the Thames, isn't it? Um Yeah. The the new the new well, building yeah, as it was. In, in Spectre, it's just it's the it's the ruins of it when it's it's the fun. Oh, because it gets with, blown up in Skyfall, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah with with the saw-like challenges and clues to, uh, you know, with the most famous, oh, the more popular villains of, of Daniel Craig's era, front and centre. Um, 
not you know yeah not, not much dominic green green was not forgotten. as popular yeah, yeah. No. anyway that i mean i'm jumping ahead there yeah i'm just <laughs> Just thinking of Blofeld or whoever did it, just getting a printer and just printing them out, sticking them up onto the art here. I can't. Suspend anyway. <laughs> disbelief. I mean, these are meant to be the realistic films. Goodness me. Yeah. Just think of some of the acting <laughs> talent that's in in that film. And Ray Fiennes is, you know, is right up there. Yeah. Walt and Bellucci and, you know, Leah Sedu. Really, you know, it's a cracking cast. Yeah. Really. It isn't like, say, Wishaw and Naomi Harris. But, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm talking Spectre here. <laughs> we're on about race. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's very important, Matthew. Please keep going. <laughs> it's crucial to the no, Ray Fiennes character. <laughs> I, I, you know, my general thing, I don't want to, you know, we'll, we'll discuss Spectre, but I think I think a lot of us um, were quite pleased with where it could go to after Skyfall and I really think Ray Fiennes was was one of those things and you know as much as I loved uh, Dame Judy um, I, I thought yeah you know Ray Fiennes as M that's a new fresh um, but exciting um, I don't know sphere for it to be in and again you know I, I, I thought like you say Inspector I think he's he's there's there's absolutely no issue with his performance. It's what he's he's what he's got to do, and and you know the way he's treated by those around him, and yeah, you know it's just one of the one of the many things that's that's an issue with it. But assuming in No Time to Die that we're onto that sort of early Connery era of Blofeld is the overall baddie going on in the background, and then we've got a, a proper villain for that individual film in Rami Malek. Um, I'm assuming that M will be in his normal place again. I'm assuming that he will be more... I, should, I shouldn't say assume, because you can't, can you, with these films, but he, it would be better served if that was how it was done and M was in his normal place. We don't need to have him connected to the story if we're just going back to that nuts and bolts, James Bond formula. I mean, I uh, I would you possibly think so, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on it. I I, I, uh, <laughs> I think there'll be there'll be the usual. Is, is he retired or is he not? You know, and uh, oh, this mission this mission is actually personal to Bond, and you know oh, the whole gosh. tussle between yeah. duty and uh, and and all that lot. So yeah, sorry, Tom, but I, th- I think there'll be some. I don't, I don't know. It, it won't just be right, you know. Bernard Lee, here's your mission: Operation, you know, yeah. uh, codename Thunderball, or you know, <laughs> yeah, Operation Throw, uh, oh. Robert Bay. The I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be, mm. you know, we need to get Bond back, and uh, I don't know. It's all personal and and whatnot. And like you'll have how to do we deal with incarcerated Craig Art? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Have you um, have you guys seen the trailers? Yeah, uh, I have at the time. I can't say I really remember them. I remember some so gunshots. There's a scene in the trailer that M looked menin- menacingly at one point, and all the rest right. of it. And there's a YouTuber who's put this big theory together that M's actually going to be the big bad guy of the film. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that line of duty, isn't it? I mean, 
Oh, I mean, yeah, like he's actually the puppet master of it all. And it sounds ridiculous, but to be quite frank, judging by the writer's uh, record at this moment in time, it's probably odds on favourite to happen, isn't it? <laughs> you know, the M is M is actually Blofeld. Oh, you know, I mean, it's odds yeah, on in it, really. You know? Related, yeah. you know, they'll do a face-off style uh, thing, won't they? Like Blofeld and M will do a face transfer, <laughs> and he'll be he'll be let out on the loose as as Mallory. <laughs> Oh, it's not a bad idea, that. Um, yeah, so, um, so guys, yeah, so we've gone through the four main actors who uh, pl- played M so far, and like I say, Ray Fiennes is appearing in the the upcoming film No Time to Die as M. So there's two things really left to discuss. Who who do you think is the best M? Who's your favourite M? And what's the future of M going forward? Not just in No Time to Die, but how would you how would you place M in in any new films we have? Um, do you want me to take this one first? Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of my yeah. favourite M, I, I'm never a, you know as I said about picking my favourite Bond. I don't I don't particularly like choosing a favourite of these things. I, I would probably go Bernard Lee because I think he he he's in eleven films and you always believe he's the same character in all of them and. Um, you know, you have the right level of uh, of the authority, but the supportive and backing his man. Um, I think you know he's a like I said at the time, like I said before, he's he's got a real he's a real a real presence. He really makes the most of everything that he's got. Um, having said that, I, you know I do like the other. I do like Robert Brown. I do like Judy Dench. I do like Ray Fiennes. Judy Dench is perhaps given the most material. She's brilliant in it, but there's the bit of the jarring thing about her, um, you know, the the Brosnan Craig split, and yeah. then maybe too much that the whole personal stuff. Perhaps I don't know. It's just it's not quite who I think of M as. It's it's you know in some ways it's more it's more right for her M, but. Having having grown up with Bernard Lee, he he's the M I think, and I don't think it will be. But in terms of the just to touch on the future of M in the series, Tom, um, I I'd like just to see a bit more of a strip back. You know, like I said before, Bond, this is your mission. Um, you know, maybe maybe some tension in there, but also backing him at appropriate times. Um, and I think I know that sounds a bit maybe a bit boring. Some people would think, but I, I could I think you could get enough good scenes and material, and you know, sh- to show off Ray Fiennes' acting chops. And like John said, I'd like to see him do it for an extended period of time, rather than he's just in it for this one more, and then we have to reset again, and then we have to build yeah, everything yeah. back up, and then we're there, and then we reset again, and everything. So I'd like to see a bit more of a traditional role for M. I don't think it will be that. I think they'll have to they'll they'll try and think that of new and more ridiculous ways of involving him directly in the story to make it personal to him, to make it personal to Bond, um, so, so that Q and Moneypenny can abandon their stations to, to all join in on the fun. Uh, and there you have it. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> John, so go concise, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would agree that I would say that Bernard Lee is overall my favourite. 
Um, there's that thing, the first love, isn't it? It's the first love and all that. It's there. Uh, I I love them all. I actually I actually really like them all. And uh, whilst I know that they didn't recast M in For Your Eyes only out of respect for Bernard Lee, I think the character of Tanner in that is so weak that it highlights the importance of M, of the character of M. Um, um, and I think that I think Robert Brown comes back and does a good job. Um, I would have said that overall, it's similar to what I said last time about the Connery thing in terms of that when you look at some of their films, they are so good. They, I'd say they are the pinnacle performances, but you have to take everything across the board. And like like Connery's You Only Live Twice and Diamonds of Forever are, are weaker as performances. I do think similar to Judy Dench, not necessarily her performance, but what the script writers and the directors did with Dame Judy in the Daniel Craig era. So if it was based on the Pierce Brosnan, specifically the first three, I think there's some problems in Die Another Day, but that's a whole other debate. Really? Um, <laughs> well, um, I, I do think, I would say that Bernard Lee is the most consistent, and I would say that the performance in Majesties is the pinnacle of M performance. Um I want Ray Fines to continue. I think he should continue for a long time. I think um, we need a new bond. We need to go back to entertainment. People are desperate to be entertained. The world is so depressed. The last thing we need to do is pay £10 to go to the cinema to be told about a secret agent who's also depressed. We need escapism in this world. Absolutely. Why do people love the Mission Impossible films at the moment? Yeah. Because they are stunts and entertainment first. Bond has never been... Well, it has been about critical things in the past, but it's been mainly about entertainment, escapism, and we want to go back to that. That and, and... I'm going off tangent, sorry. Regarding M, um, the point is is that, yes, we want to go back to the exposition. We just want to go back to, I want to see the next Bond go into that room, be given his brief by Ray Fiennes, and then him not happy about it and storm out. But actually then the Prime Minister wants to do something and he wants to stop Bond, and, and, and M rings up the Prime Minister and says, no, trust him. And that's all I want to see. I want yeah, to see, yeah. and then I want to see it. And then I want to see a scene at the end where James is with a lady and he's necking with her. <laughs> and I want to see, and I want to see M just like accidentally turn on his iPhone and the secret camera reveals that he's with a lady. You know what I mean? I want to see a bit of the old fun back. Yeah, because we need it. We need it. The, the, the world needs fun again, and this is what James Bond does. We talk about James Bond being a great Sunday afternoon viewing, yeah, something to yeah. kick back and relax. Do any of us do that with Spectre? No, because it makes us even more depressed that it's Monday morning. Quick, get a Roger Bond on now. Quick, quick, I'm depressed. Yeah. We need a Roger. We need a Roger. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Any- anyway, back to the point. Carry on, Tom. Same time is six minutes. Six minutes. Check. No, I, I I totally agree with you. The word that always strikes me 
one of the reasons we love Bond, especially when we were kids growing up, not that the the children's films at all anymore, is that it's escapism, isn't it? It's growing up as a kid, what do we like doing? We like play fighting. We like going around with toy guns. You're probably not allowed to do that anymore. But you like sort of pretending to be James Bond, having that bit of fun. And I know we, we me, Math, and my other brother, Harry, uh, one of, the, one of the, uh, the three of the four of us, we used to do our own James Bond films in the garden and used to film it and all that. We didn't. We wouldn't have got into it, would we, if we'd have been watching just the recent ones? It wouldn't have inspired us at all. We. I know we're going now onto the character of Bond as to do you look up to Bond? Because uh, no, of course we don't now. But if we're going to how how is the series going to go going forward? You've got to press the reset reset button again, which is such a shame, isn't it? And I just hope, like you say, that the M character. Because M is just the guy who's giving him the instructions, there's no need to to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. There's no need to get a new money penny. That you know, there's no there's no need to do that in whoever whoever is the new uh, Bond. It will be more difficult, of course, if they decide upon a totally different direction. But if they've done the sort of teen angsty Bond, um, what? I mean, what what more can we do other than go back to the sort of traditional? The films are about the villains, they're about uh, the locations, they're about the stunts, uh, which we, we mentioned in in Octopussy episode. Uh, and yeah. of course, they're of course they're about the women, and the, the women can have uh, more of a say. But that's another that's another uh, point of contention. Every single Bond film that has come out while I've been born has been, oh well, it's got a very strong female character in. Um, so, you know, it, it's all interpretations of what's a strong female character because you could argue Leah Sado's character is, is just, well, just going along for the ride and she's almost coerced into it by, by James Bond. So, the, yeah, I know Phoebe Waller-Bridge, of course, is involved and I don't know what that'll be. There's rumours of the, the new 00 agent who's a woman. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes in. I don't know whether M will be involved in that. But yeah, going forward, I think it will depend on what direction they take. But there's absolutely no reason for me that Ray Fiennes shouldn't be um, in in the next film. And we might let uh, we might learn a lot about that in November when uh, No Time to Die is released. But guys, uh, thank you for this uh, frank and uh, at times harrowing discussion on uh, the Bond franchise <laughs> <laughs> as we as we go through the changing face of M. Uh, it's uh, it, it's sad to say that uh, perhaps the, the 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 franchise is on shaky ground at the moment. We know it will be back at some point. Um, we've gone through Bernard Lee as the the old traditional superb M that we all envisage in our head. Robert Brown continued that. We've had some great chats about him. Judy Dench. Uh, perhaps one thing we didn't touch on as much was she's almost like a mentor to him in Casino Royale, of course, because he's meant to be some young upcoming agents. And it's almost as if she's she's put there in the film to sort of say, oh, audience, have you realised that this guy is, oh, he doesn't bleed, he, oh, he's, he's, very, he's very hard, he's very tough, isn't he? And she's almost there to sort of, some of the lines, I think she says at one point, um, yes, I, I can't remember what it is now. It's when they stood outside after just seeing the, the dead body, uh, I forgot what her name, Solange, the woman on the horse. And she's almost more yeah, bothered yeah. about Bond's reaction to it than the fact that this woman's dead. 
But again, that's the, the the way that film's written is a sort of Bond begins, and we'll, we'll get into Casino Royale. That she's there more to sort of a hey, look at look audience, look at this new Bond, rather than be a particularly engaging character. Oh, and also, I was going to mention she she swears a heck of a lot in the Craig era, and that's something which is a bit unnecessary, really. Um, I know we had Robert Brown saying "blast," and I was told oh, yeah. off saying that by my dad. But um, this is <laughs> this is this yeah. is a whole a whole other board Bond. game, as Matt says. Yeah, yeah. And an F an F word in a Bond film in Skyfall. And it's by M. Brilliant, isn't it? Uh, I cannot remember that. I, I have lost it. What? Yeah. When does that happen? Yeah, no, yeah. Um, in the house when the when the prepping the Home Alone scene. <laughs> She, oh, uh, yeah. she says, I I effed up, didn't I? Double oh, yeah, bomb. yeah. Dear, dear, dear. Yeah, it's just... I mean, we, we haven't heard that. We haven't heard that since lang- that kind of language, since that old lady who's a pilot in um, in Live and Let Die says the S word when uh, when Roger's <laughs> flying a plane off. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten that as well. So JW Pepper era, that, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> but yes, thank what you, chaps. Uh, it's been a, a brilliant uh, <laughs> thank discussion. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Matt. M. So thank you for, for listening. And there will be lots of forthcoming episodes on James Bond. There will be in-depth episodes on each film. And uh, yeah, so check us out, Really 007 Podcast. We are live on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. Please join in. There will be regular discussions for comment on that, such as this. Uh, We'll have a lot of fun looking and replying to those. But for now, uh, thank you for your interest and thank you for listening. This has been the Really Level 07 podcast and we will be back very soon. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.